So good morning, everybody. Uh, my name is Justin Flitter. I'm the chair of the New Zealand Tech Marketers Group. It's really cool to see a whole bunch of you joining us today. I'm quite excited to uh, run through this uh, brand webinar and discussion. Uh, Hamish and I and uh, Gemma have been working on this for the last few weeks. Um, so it's really cool, really fantastic to see you here. Hamish, Gemma, you guys ready to go? Yeah, all ready. My other hat is I'm the founder of New Zealand.ai and I talk about artificial intelligence and how it's impacting the world. In fact, with Tech Marketers Group, we're going to be running an AI, um, a series of AI workshops and, and webinars and things like that coming up. Generally, in the world of AI, we're seeing execution being automated, whereby you know the 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 content that we're producing, we're able to get hyper-personalization at scale, we can produce digital content at scale, everything's becoming faster and more commoditized. We're also seeing message clarity getting degraded as people try to become more things to, to everybody. Uh, and that's a quite a common, common trait. And so what holds us together as a as a business when technology is accessible to, to everybody uh, and we've got all of this capability to uh, to get our message out to more people than, than ever before, um, you know, we, we still have to anchor our business around helping people make that critical decision. How do I know that you're the right business for us? Um, and the right product for us. AI has really changed how we're running and and executing um, campaigns. We've got all this automation. Da, da, da. Um, as, as we know, there's um, I've got someone I need to mute here. It's bugging me. Here we go. All right. So while AI is really, really good at analyzing a whole lot of data and predicting consumer behavior, it falls short of one thing that we're really, really good at, and that is understanding human emotions and values and aspirations. We understand and we can deal in empathy as a currency. And we we all know when, as our well, we hopefully as our founders decided to start a business because they saw an opportunity in the market to solve a particular problem. Often founders will grow that first phase of the business of features and functionality. And that carries you only so far. You start hitting roadblocks where uh, competitors will start coming on, where you know, the, you're know you on par with other products in the market. And all of a sudden your lead gen campaign and your demand gen is starting to get more and more costly. Uh, and you have to start rethinking what you're what you're doing. And the rethinking part is probably resetting back to your why. And and that was really something that that anchored me in this in this presentation and this webinar and this story with with Hamish was how do we make sure that we're building a brand that's anchored on a why that builds a moat. It's an emotional connection that holds our customers, our partners, our community together around why we do what we do. Uh, so I'd like to uh, introduce you to, to Hamish Hewitt, who's 
uh, been a um, beach head advisor with NZTE. Hi, Shannon. Nice to see you. And yeah. uh, previously CM of Supercolor. Uh, and Supercolor do the little, um, you know, you can, um, Hamish can tell us about Supercolor. Uh, and so I'm going to let you run the show from here. Yeah, sure. Thanks, guys. Hi, everybody. So uh, I love what Justin said there, because you think with the introduction of generative AI, like marketing has become faster and seemingly easier, but easy in the execution, right? So what Justin was saying before is a lot of companies, and I found this at NZTE, we were guilty of it when we started Supercolor. So Supercolor, for those of you who don't know, we made heat transfers, right? Our, when I started there, our marketing was about, we created the world's best heat transfer, which is kind of like what most companies would say. You know, if you're a tech company, you'd be, we would leave with product. We would leave with, uh, all our marketing would be about iterations, the best, we do it like this, right? But what happened was, like Justin was saying, we started to fall short with our marketing. So see on the screen there, there's a slide, and this is a really great uh, quote from not everybody's favorite person right now, but it's still a really interesting quote. He said, your brand is what people say about you when you're not in the room. Now, the reason I love this quote is, is because it makes you realize something, and it took me a while to wrap my head around it, but this rings true to what we're trying to say here. Your brand actually belongs to your customer. So people interpret your brand, right? I know it's kind of hard to understand, but think about this, right? You love a brand and then you go and talk to somebody about it. What you say is the brand messaging that they put out there. So Justin, can you just jump onto the next slide and I'll give you an example of why this matters. So see this here, right? Imagine this is a trade show or it's a metaphor for the internet. So you have eight different financial reporting companies that are communicating with you. Have a look at this messaging. Which one of these stands out to you? I mean, they all basically say the same. And this is arguably how companies in this sector are doing their marketing. It's, right? it's, okay. it's like they've all jumped on chat GPT and asked for a patch. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> right. So if you were doing this, right, taking into consideration that the brand is in the minds of the customers and the conversations that where they are having with other colleagues, it's going to fall short. Like it's very, 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 very short-lived, right? That's that that it's just kind of fundamental to brand strategy is to think like this. And look, we're all guilty of it. I mean, like I said, when we were at Supercolor, that's what we were doing. And we were a pretty young brand with some huge big competitors. We were all doing this, and everyone was in almost like a product war, like a war zone. So, in order to do things differently, I want you guys to have a think about this, right? We're all in the tech business, but what you're actually in is the people persuasion business. Now, I know that kind of sounds a little bit like marketing speak. Uh, what do you mean the people persuasion business? But think about it. You are 
because business is about people, right? It's about persuading people to come on a journey with you, to try you, to, to give you a go. It's about taking some form of action, right? That could even be signing up for a newsletter, signing up for a webinar, getting on, signing up for a demo, and then maybe even then booking an appointment with a, with a sales representative. All of that comes from persuasion. So if you're just talking about your customer, maybe you could get lucky at the time, like someone's right now thinking, oh my God, I have to buy, our, our system is broken. I need to buy this right now. That doesn't really happen, right? Gotta be top of mind. How are we gonna do this? We need to be able to persuade them, persuade them to trust us in the first place, right? So here's a good way of thinking about it. So think about it like this, right? You are in a heated conversation with somebody. Imagine it's like your partner, right? There are two sides to persuasion. There is logic, right? So logic, think about like logic is like your product. So that's your product benefits, your product features, iterations, because that comes from the head, right? But if we want to persuade somebody, we've got to go just a little bit further, and that's with the heart. So the heart is from an emotion trigger. So what that means is if you want to persuade somebody, product, great, but then there has to be the emotion that backs it up. So if we can go to the next slide, this is my all-time, all-time favorite thing about branding. And it took me a little bit of time to get to it. And I'm really happy to share it with you guys because this is when the penny dropped for me as a brand strategist when I made this realization. When you communicate your brand, think about it like a communication system. It's what you do, product. Because even though I was saying before, everyone talks about a product, you absolutely have to. I mean, what are your sales team gonna to say to you? Well, I'm gonna be selling on emotion. No, you can still talk about your product, but you also need to talk about what you stand for. Think about this. If you're going to take a screenshot of any of these slides, this is the one to take to take the screenshot of it because this is gold mine of information. Think about like from your website. Your website on your homepage, you can talk about what you do. But then as you go through the sites, you can integrate what you stand for. Obvious place on your About Us page. Maybe it's in your uh, content strategy. Maybe it's just wherever it is, you can integrate what you do with what you stand for because it's head and heart. You may be thinking to yourselves, okay, this is all good and fine, but how do I do this? First thing you got to do is you got to dig deep into your target market. You may have probably had someone from NZT or someone in your marketing department has done biopersonas. A lot of the time, and you know, biopersonas is my thing. I don't know anyone who's out there who knows me. Biopersonas really is something that I like to do. Uh, you can't just have a biopersona who identifies the person or the target market. Because what you're going to do is you're going to dig really, really, really deep. A way to think about this is if you just identify it. So, Justin, who could be a good example for someone for a financial reporting software company? Like it's just an identifying buyer persona. 
uh, going to be an accountant for a mid-sized firm in Oklahoma. Right. So exactly that. So imagine it's an accountant for a mid-sized firm. So I'm sitting here as the marketer. So what I'm doing is I'm making a whole lot of assumptions. And what I'm doing is I'm just thinking, this is my assumption about them using my product. Okay. That would work if we're just talking about what we do, right? But if you take the time to really deep dive, to do a deep dive into your target market, you can start to understand their world. And then once you start to understand their world, you can now, instead of just in, interpreting how you think the product fits into their world, you can actually understand how your product is going to make a change to their world, is going to help them for some particular reason. And but what that does, yeah. So Justin, you're, you're, you're talking about building, um, you know, understanding your ideal customer profile, right? So what are the characteristics that make yeah. up an ideal customer profile? It's not just... It's not just the role of the buyer or the role of the user. It's um, it's what other technology do they use in their business? What's the who are their customers? What are the problems that they're trying to solve uh, as well? And so there's a whole multitude of of um, characteristics and dynamics that you want to build into that profile to really understand who the people are that you're talking to. It's not a um, you know, we've got to, yes, we're moving out of transactional here. We're trying not to be transactional. We're trying to be emotive and, and, and that present, you know, in that, in that messaging. Um, and so, and finding that stickiness, right. And so build, being able to build out a target account list um, to, to start marketing to, you've got to be able to have the, that refinement to it. Yeah. That's a great way of looking at it because I know uh, Hannah Darbo from uh, NZT, she's a trade commissioner in New York. She coined this amazing phrase, which always stuck with me, is find a niche, but then find a niche within your niche, right? Because that niche, they go from being your target customer to an ideal customer, because it's going to be thinking, if I'm going to be throwing a whole lot of money at this, at, at this market, this is the mindset of the person who's going to be, re, who's going to be responsive to our the way that we want to talk in the marketplace right so once you've sort of got these key characteristics together and like justin said you've got an idea about um the problems that these people are looking for you to solve what's going on in the world it's time then to just step back for a second and ask yourself why do we do what we do and a really important thing to point out is it's not just to make a profit because that's a result of everything that we're doing here. The thing with brand strategy is that it connects you with the thing that you love the most about your business. The thing that gets you out of bed in the morning. So when we were at Supercolor, like our customers, most of our customers were screen printers in the garment decoration business because we did heat transfer. That'd be like, transferring this onto the shirt instead of having to have it embroidered. So we would always go, we would start every meeting. Um, Ron Walio, who is the, the president of Supercolor, we'd sit there and he would always start every meeting by saying to the screen printers, you are in the garment decoration business. Who are your customers? They'd say who they are. And we would say, but well, what business 
are you really in? And you just see their heads would just go, oh my goodness, you know, okay, yeah, sure. Everybody's a screen printer, just like everyone can create a tech product, but the business that we're in, it, trans, it transcends, it goes, takes you to another place. You know, people would be like, oh, we started this business because we wanted our customers to be able to solve problems for their customers. Like, we never wanted to turn down any job, so we're the ultimate people pleasing. You know what I mean? It takes it to this place, and it takes you back to why did we start the company? Justin, can you go to the next slide? Like, why did we start the custom, custom the sorry, the, the company in the first place? Because what why is, now I'm going to throw something that could sound a little bit heavy here. Your why is your purpose, right? Your why sums up the reason that you started your company. Like, this is the purpose. I mean, again, I'm going to give you another super color um, reference here. Once we came up with our why and our tagline, which is we help you make it, because we were all about helping our customers grow their business, it informs so many decisions within the company. I mean, yes, marketing, yes, sales approach. It also informed how we did our product development, how we would structure um, new products coming into our product mix. Everybody got behind our why because it was our purpose it was like this big rallying cry for everybody it, but it, you know, it, before, it anchors yeah. everyone right it anchors, it anchors everyone the yeah. core idea right everything that you every decision you make every opportunity to do marketing or do an event or do something is like is this going to help drive our purpose yeah absolutely and and think about it like you know customers partners, investors, before when we were talking about persuasion, right? How are we persuading all these people to trust you to go on this journey with you? Well, if you have this rallying cry behind you, everyone's like, right, I'm part of something. And that was something that for Supercolor we loved so much. It just felt like we were in this movement of change. So that's really exciting. So, you know, before when I talked about customers, what are they saying about you if you're not in the room? If you have this amazing, powerful why, that's what they're going to talk about. That's what they're going to interpret. And that's what they're going to start to communicate with their colleagues. But here, Justin, come into the, okay. What it will do for you in your marketing is it creates a point of view, right? Your purpose is this really big statement. It's something like we said before. It's kind of like your northern star drives your drives your company, drives company decisions. For marketing, everyone needs to differentiate. Remember that slide where it had all those speech bubbles and everyone talking the same, right? I said that brand is a system, communicates what you do and what you stand for. The combination of these elements creates a beautiful point of view, which is uniquely yours. It goes beyond just selling because it also, that point of view also aligns with your customer because you've already done that customer research and you've identified how you fit in their world. You've identified how it works so beautifully with your company. So you have something which is inspirational, that can be educational, and it has true authenticity. 
So having a point of view is such an amazing thing because think about it. If we're thinking about AI, like generating ideas and AI, and if you're an engineer prompt, before when we were just putting in product features, bit of you could run into a little bit of commoditization, a little bit of sea of sameness. But if you're putting in ideas based on a very distinct point of view, you know, you it's just going to keep going and going and going and going. So, so what I did is I stop. Yeah, sorry, oh, Justin. Trying to drop it. So a um, couple of days ago, I posted on the, the TMG uh, LinkedIn page where there was a comparison of some different um, SaaS companies and how their message has degraded over time. And I missed it at the top. I'm going to message it again because so often as, as companies get bigger and bigger and bigger and they're adding more features and functionality, trying to keep relevant to a bigger audience and build their revenue growth, they go from a really specific um, you know, purpose and what they do, and it just gets washed, becomes ever more generic. Uh, and so it's really important that, you know, we're holding on to these really key emotional key words, right? We believe, um, you know, working is broken. We empower, yeah. right? Those are, those are really important. And I think it's, um, so if you missed it, go back to the, the LinkedIn and see um, just how some of those companies, the messages are starting to degrading. It's important to have this anchor um, and it should be timeless. Yeah, timeless. That's a great word. That's a fantastic word. So like if like Dropbox, I mean, Justin just read a bit of it, but think about it. Like what we do, cloud storage service, why? What's our why? Because we believe the current way of working is broken. Just like Justin said, we want to empower companies to work better to increase productivity. Ideas, ideas, ideas. This just spurts ideas. Another company that we worked with, if um, we were thinking about that financial reporting software is um, Spotlight Reporting. I worked with these guys when I was at NZTE. You know what? Cloud-based financial data reporting software. Great, but why? Because we empower accounting practices to transform from service provider to trusted advisor. So if you are a company that's in this, in this space, that is thinking, okay, we want to evolve. I'm going to be thinking, this is my value. This is what I'm thinking I wanted to do. Spotlight reporting, everyone can get around it because there's this mutual want to grow a business. So there, I just wanted to throw those in as two really interesting ways to just sum up what I talked about. And oh, yeah, AI is not going to help you create anything new. Unless you're starting to to generate, you know, to really work through um, some of those prompts. So, you know, um, it's important if you're using uh, if you're using generative AI like ChatGPT to try to try and come up with some of this messaging. It's it's a starting point. It's going to give you some ideas that you're going to build on. Um, it might give you some inspiration, but it's probably not going to give you the end result. So we've gone from AI is commoditizing a lot of our work. It's it, it's 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 automating execution, but then no no one who graduated marketing, um, you know, ever planned to be designing uh, Instagram ads and TikTok videos all the time, right? So we're probably quite happy about that. Um, we all came out of university as marketers wanting to be creative, wanting to actually 
help work with with businesses and founders to help them scale and grow right that was kind of all that's our our key objective there um and so now finally uh ai can actually take some of that that um, heavy lifting from the production side off our hands and free us up to actually think more around um you know why are we doing this and actually um you know uh use the skills as humans that machines can't do right so yeah you hamish yeah so uh i think what would be good now is uh you know i've been rambling on about what it is and why it's important let's grab Gemma and let's uh let's have a chat about how it worked for them yeah thanks hamish um Hello, everybody. I am Gemma. I'm the CEO of PageProof. So we're actually a tech company based here in Auckland. We also have a team in Portugal. Um, and I'm assuming everybody is in tech. And I'm assuming a lot of people on this call is actually maybe on the marketing side of tech, So, which is great because um, I have a little bit of a story to tell you guys about some of the work that we actually did with Hamish um, a couple of years ago and how that's actually impacted our business. Um, and probably a few of you might go, well, what is PageProof? So I'll just start there very briefly. So we make the review and approval of creative work, um, no matter what that file type is, feel effortless. Um, so if you are in a marketing team, if you work in a creative agency, like um, many people do, and you are putting together your brand and marketing um, collateral, whether that's for campaigns or for telling your brand stories. So whatever that format is, if it's a television commercial, if it's um, a podcast, if it's packaging, if it's your website or emails, you'll be using PageProof to gather feedback and approvals easily. And it'll actually be a welcome part of your day rather than kind of this frustrating chaos that you can experience if you don't use um, an online proofing tool. So that in a nutshell is what we do. And um, Marcus, my co-founder and I, we um, created PageProof or started thinking about PageProof a little bit over nine years ago. So as you do as part of like, you know, a tech startup, you take a look at the um, competitive landscape. I think we've all done this. We've done our sort of SWOT analysis. We've looked at strengths and weaknesses. And, and you're kind of thinking, you know, here's my product. And I really want it to carve out a little bit of a niche in the competitive landscape. So you are quite heavily focused on what is missing out there in the product offering from others in the market. And how will this perhaps resonate with some of our customers, you know, the, the targets of the people that we want to um, want to grab and, you know, the eyes that we want to actually bring to our website. So um, we're also told, and I'm sure many of you will have heard this, go get product market fit. It's super important to get product market fit right from the get go. So you end up, um, when you first launch, you've got this incredibly innovative product because you've been thinking about it, dreaming about it. You, you really want to solve your customers' problems in a really unique way. And often innovation um, comes hand in hand with like the product and the features and how, how people are going to actually use that product. So we ended up launching big you know, wow in the marketplace. And everyone was like, wow, there's this new tool, you know, let's let's have a look at this and, and what is it actually going to do for me? And um, at the same time, 
Um, and don't kid yourself, competitors are all over your website. You know, they're all looking at it. They're all, you know, looking at your videos and your help articles. And they're kind of going through and looking at why is this product suddenly quite popular? You know, what is it that they're doing that we're not? So you end up inherently in a little bit of a, you release a new piece of innovation and it's quickly kind of shadowed by your competitors sort of catching up and trying to copy it and um, sooner sooner or later they'll release something a little bit similar it hasn't quite got the same you know page proofness around it but it is similar and it sort of ticks a box when someone is comparing products so after a few years of this um I personally was getting a little bit sick of it, this whole competitive kind of race when it came to features. And I think um, if you are in, in marketing or if you are a founder and you are creating product, it is it is flattery on one hand. And at the same time, it really annoys you when someone sort of comes up um, and releases a feature that you released, um, you know, six months prior. So I actually, um, I'm, I keep in really good contact with um, our New York office um, for NCTE and also LA, et cetera, et cetera. And I kind of mentioned to them, you know, hey, we were getting this a little bit frustrated with this. And they actually introduced me to Hamish, um, and, which was just a fantastic introduction because I think at the time, correct me if I'm wrong, Hamish, but yeah. um, it was around about early 2020. So we're just talking about yeah. the pandemic had just kind of just started. And again, I've, you know, Hamish and I spent a lot of time on Zooms as we did during the pandemic. Um, but it was a great time because the market was actually evolving. Um, so if you are in um, if you are in marketing and you realize, you know, this pandemic was suddenly creating this separation between people in the workplace collaboration was now this kind of hot topic you know a lot of people were talking about how do we get things working with remote teams you know that was I'm sure you guys would have seen all the social media and you know articles and things around that so what we kind of did was first things first and Hamish did touch on this before is um, customer personas and because I've come from working with creative agencies, working in marketing um, for many, many years. And so had my co-founder. Um, we had actually developed our customer personas right from the beginning. Before we even wrote a line of code, we had decided what our brand was going to look like. We decided who our customers were. And with personas, of course, you don't just have one persona. Um, you've got several. And at the time, I think we had five when we first launched, five personas. And wow. um, interestingly enough, we were all, um, I have a shocking memory at the best of times. So we were watching the series Suits. And this is kind of like a funny story because, I mean, everyone would know like Meghan Marker was on, on Suits. So all of our personas actually had the names of one of the Suits characters because <laughs> it's the only way I was actually going to remember all these different personas. So, and one of them was like Harvey and Harvey was the, in advertising he was the suit that worked at the creative agency and how were we going to get page proof in front of Harvey you know and we went right through all these um, different characters we had five but they were quite um no I'm not going to say simplistic we had put a lot of effort into these but it really was a time now that the market was changing and we had less of a gap between us and our competitors it was a time that we needed to actually really seriously relook at these personas and really analyze these drivers of our customers 
And actually, I don't know if Hamish remembers this or not, but it was absolutely fantastic because we brought an outsider into our business. And sometimes as founders, that's quite an important thing to do because your company is your baby. You have created this thing. You are so close to it that you almost don't have your side vision going on about um, and, and you're not really that honest about your business sometimes because you're just all in this positive mindset and you really having that beautiful thing, which is an in, outsider coming in to actually kind of really ask those hard questions and um, really sort of take a different perspective was absolutely gold. And when um, when Hamish came in, he actually said, do you know what? I'd really love to speak to your customers. And I was like, oh, no, I don't, I don't want to give Hamish my customers details and things. But actually, it was fantastic because you've got an outsider point of view, suddenly um, scheduling some time with some of your customers that, and especially being software as a service, some of the customers you know really well and others you don't know. Like you've got no idea who they are. You've never stepped foot in their office because they might be in another side of the world. But Hamish was able to kind of deep dive into these interviews with them and actually start extracting real gems of emotive stories behind why was it that they sought out our product? What do they absolutely love? What is their pain points that PageProof is actually solving for them? So if anything, I can really, really recommend one thing if you kind of take away from this webinar is actually looking at um, going back to some of your customers and actually re-interviewing them if you've never done an interview with them before. But And getting an outsider is sometimes actually really, really key to that because you might just sort of be leading the questions to get certain, certain answers out of them. So definitely a worthwhile tip there. But... Um, so what we ended up doing is we started looking at all these customers and the customer profiles and we boiled it down to that we had two very distinct customer segments and we ended up naming them um, flounderers and solution seekers. And a flounderer was someone who was working in say marketing or creative agency and they were doing what they'd already always done, which is attach files to emails or they'd done printouts and they were receiving scribbles of feedback and things. And they were, it's not a nice mechanism to gather feedback, but they truly didn't realize there was a solution out there that might have met their needs. So they weren't actively searching for a solution, but they were aware they had a pain, but they weren't actively yeah, going out and trying to find something. And then our second um, customer segment, we um, we talked about them being solution seekers. So they had maybe somewhat of a system, a, a slight system. Um, they might have been using Adobe Acrobat, for example, to gather feedback, but that kind of only works just for PDFs. So maybe for video, they were doing something else. And for podcasts, they might have just been popping something into Dropbox. So they had some solutions. Some of them were using online proofing systems prior to ours, but we really wanted to look at why they were frustrated with their solution and why they were ending up doing a bit of a search on Google to try and find an alternative. So those were those two kind of customer segments, if you like, flounderers and solution seekers. And then if we, um, and I'm sure you remember back at school, Venn diagrams. So if you think about two nice circles and we sort of put a lot of emotive sort of reasons um, and kind of beliefs and ideas from these customers into those circles. I was, come from the colors. There was the a, sorry, is someone talking there? I'm, I'm, I'm 
Oh, that's right. So there was a very distinct kind of crossover between these two customers. And I think that's really key to find because you can't, it's really hard to market to everyone. So you have to find those kind of commonalities between your customers. And for us, our commonalities were just clear as day. They were incredibly time poor people. Now, if you're in marketing, there is deadlines galore. You've got so many marketing projects on the go. You've got other systems and other tools you're trying to keep updated. Maybe it's your project management tools. Um, super, super time poor. You know, there's always a million things to be done with not enough time in the day. And the other thing that they actually really had that came out really strong was they had a real value um, on collaboration. So if they didn't, they wouldn't need me thinking online proofing was a thing or they had a problem because they need to get feedback and approvals from other people. So collaboration is really important to them. They need to be working with other teams, not necessarily just the marketing team that they're in or just the creative agency. It is getting some input from legal. It is maybe on some terms and conditions on a promotion. It is getting someone from sales to have a look at their work to see, is it right for the Japanese market, for example? Um, so that kind of value on collaboration was really, really high for our customers. So, And that, that kind of gave us two really good starting points. One, super, super time poor. And the other was that they really, really valued collaboration. So we um, we sat down, well, we sat down in our room, Mark is my co-founder and also my marketing manager, and we worked with Hamish kind of really distilling all of this information and going back to the roots of why we created PageProof in the first place, because our why was not, hey, we're just creating a business to sell it one day. We're creating it just to make lots of money. Um, that wasn't the reason why we were doing it. Why was um, Mark, both Marcus and I worked in the creative industry. We felt that pain. We really recognized there wasn't a nice way of providing feedback. Everything was quite utilitarian, very cold, not very welcoming of feedback. So we actually kind of really went through all of our whys back then and I'm not really going to go into too much kind of detail on that but what was really important was although we were providing and we have this love for innovation and love for creating new things that are really going to solve problems we actually had to hook in to the emotional side of those um, to kind of start building a language around it for our customers so that they understood what our innovation was meaning for them so um, like, for example, we don't want to just say, hey, this new feature is going to save you time. Um, it was actually more than that. It was more than we're going to be an efficient way for you to gather feedback and approvals. It was about we're going to make it so easy for you to bring in all of your outside team members and people you want to collaborate on your creative work that ultimately your brand and your marketing piece is going to be better as a result so that's what we kind of hooked in together about so bringing voices in from other teams was actually going to build and strengthen your own brand it also has a lot of side effects like it educates people about your brand like what's on brand what's off brand a whole bunch of stuff like that but we really wanted to gather that feedback also make sure someone could get into the product and get out of the product super fast. So 
unlike um, some software products where you want to keep people in your software because you go, yeah, everyone's in my software product all the time. This is a great metric. Um, we actually wanted to kind of do the opposite. We've got time poor people that their job is not a full-time reviewer or proofer. We want to get them in. Imagine you're the person in the legal team. They're a lawyer, first and foremost. You want to get them in, having a little look, checking something, giving some feedback, and hoof them out of there again, really simply. So we want them to get back to their jobs, which they actually truly love, whether that's a designer designing or a lawyer doing some legal speak. That's what they truly love. They don't want to spend all their time in our product reviewing stuff. So that was really, really key to us. And it was a fundamental where right from the get-go, we remembered we wanted collaboration to have no limits, which is we don't want you sending a piece of work to say we can't get someone else's inclusion in on this project because they don't have a license to use page proof. That was fundamentally breaking us on the inside because we were like, no, collaboration we want as many people in on these projects as possible to get the best outcome for these customers. So this was kind of our big thing about defining our why. And it's really interesting because we boiled it down to Actually, what we're about is empowering voices to strengthen brands. It's sort of this lofty kind of idea. But what's key to this, and I think um, it's really important to say, is that your why is not your tagline. So you will see, um, for example, our tagline is page proof, making feedback welcome. We're not kind of going into this whole, hey, you're going to strengthen your brand by, by we've got no limits bringing all these people in. This is kind of the why that we transform our business and, and make our business decisions about. But the tagline is really, you can't say everything you want to say in a tagline. So don't even try it. Like my recommendation to you, don't try putting your entire business in one tagline. So um, anyway, it's... Um, it really, our why, as Hamish kind of alluded to before, it drives your business. So it drives product decisions, whether we um, invest our time in, in innovating into a new feature or not. It's all about the why. Does it actually meet those kind of why principles? Um, it drives our marketing, especially around the strategic side of our content um, that we do. It drives our sales as well. And um, yeah, ultimately we want to cultivate a really joyful experience along the way for our reviewers. So once we once we kind of worked through all of this in a couple of workshops, I think Hamish, how many workshops do you think we had? Maybe about five. There was a few because the first one we did the segmentation, the customer interviews, and then it was just really trying to work out like that framework of what we do and what we stand for. And I think once we had that in place, maybe it was our fourth one. It just kind of went. This is it. Like we had, we had it down pat. So yeah. And um, I don't think it helps as founders, Marcus and myself. We just talk all the time. We're like super passionate about what we do. So we were, yeah, we we went off on lots of kind of tangents and backstories for Hamish. But yeah. it's really good. This is why having a facilitator is really good because they sort of rein two very overly passionate founders in, and so you can actually really focus on getting this framework put in place. So. 
The other thing that what we did was um, once we put a framework together, and when I talk about a framework, you've got almost um, this driving force of your why. Think about this being up the top, but you've actually got um, some fundamentals that are powering and leading up to that why. So, and I'm not going to go into the detail of those, but those um, fundamentals is really delivering that value to customers. And you've really got to understand those different um, fundamentals of your product differentiation as well that's actually pushing into your why. So once we'd done that, um, we passed all this um, great Miro boards and Word documents and PowerPoint presentation, we passed all this kind of plethora of information over to, an, to a professional copywriter. Again, if you take anything from this, a professional copywriter can change your game. Um, it is their number one job to write amazing copy to actually transform your brand language. And this is what's so key and important to um, creating a memorable brand and creating consistency as well. So um, right across all areas of our business, having that brand speak or, or a toolbox of, of phrases, if you like, um, that really speaks to your target audience. When you have that, do not just limit that to your marketing. Um, what we did was we went right back to the very beginning of the customer journey. We went, okay, if they're searching for us in Google, how are we going to deliver this brand speak in our Google AdWords? How are we going to put that right across our website? How are we going to put that down to, you know, everybody has some automation in the back end of sending out emails to customers to welcome them on trials and things like that. How do we inject that language right through that interaction with the client? Right through to when someone books a demo, you will find that whether you book a demo with the first salesperson in our queue or the last salesperson in the queue, we talk the same language. So, and that was really important that um, we all say the same thing. So when you have another demo, you're not getting a completely different feel of the brand. Um, a great example is we always say, um, when it comes to page proof, you use the red pen, put your feedback on the work and push the green button when you're done. And that's basically the training as well. So we still have that brand speak coming across with all of our customer success agents when they're actually delivering their training, the training material itself. And of course, you've got your marketing, but right down to the billing, we have aspects of our brand and our brand speak and language toolbox right on our billing as well. So even on emails that we send as well. So I can't stress the importance of just a consistent message right the way through every team in your business um, because that is what can't be copied. Someone can take a fabulous phrase and chuck it on their own website, but if it's only sitting there and it's not within all those other customer touch points, it's pointless and no one's going to remember that after the fact. So really, really important to get that brand language woven into everything you do. And it's not just a spoken language or a written language. It's right through to imagery. It's right through um, all aspects. So your designers will just find it so much easier to design things. Um, your um, marketing team who's doing digital marketing is going to find it so much easier to whip up Google ads and campaigns and all of that kind of stuff as well. So Giving you a little bit of example, because I know everybody loves a few examples. So um, 
yeah you kind of you you end up flipping from being if if you looked at page proof like eight years ago or nine years ago you would have seen that it was hey we've got this feature it's awesome it does this you know and it was just this like repetitiveness on features and innovation and there were fabulous features don't get me wrong but we weren't really catching our target audience about why should they be even interested in that feature what is it going to solve for them and how are they going to use it so if we take today how we do those things um for example we um we love packaging here at pageproof it's something um we're always interested in finding really really unique and inspiring examples of fabulous packaging and on packaging you often see barcodes right um, and there are some really fantastic examples of creative brand use inside of barcodes. Barcodes don't have to be boring. They can be really interesting. So we started pushing out a few of these interesting kind of examples. And then we weave in, hey, um, PageProof has this ingeniously simple automatic barcode scanner you just click a button and it scans all your barcodes and then in one click you can make a comment if the information is incorrect we also follow it up with like a blog article explaining how um, why there are so many different barcodes in the world and what specific use cases is each barcode used for um, so we kind of weave in that kind of educational side of things as well for designers and for marketers as well, because that's really important to kind of boost their knowledge on things. So that's an example of like just how we would introduce maybe a feature like our barcode scanner. Um, another example might be we're, we're really hot on educating people around um, designing for accessibility in mind. Everyone's trying to widen their um, audience and when you really look at um, accessibility, so accessibility is things like really um, designing marketing collateral that maybe um, is easier for a wider audience to see if they're visually impaired, for example. Um, there's lots and lots of different examples or if they're um, of the older generation, you need to be very conscious of the size of your fonts and the clarity on the artwork, that kind of thing. So, um, we were pushing a whole lot of examples of um, really inspirational content of, of how people are showcasing design accessibility in their work. And then we would kind of weave in, hey, PageProof has a color set feature, which automatically um, outlines the different color plates when you go to print. So you can check what's going to print on each of your color plates. Um, one of which we're going to show you what's going to be on your embossing layer. Super good if you're printing anything to do with Braille. So you've kind of woven in a little bit of why you would have that feature in your platform um, and why it's useful to your target audience. So I hope you guys found a couple of those stories interesting. Yeah. yeah but we're, um, we're going to have to move into a big, few questions, but I just want to sort of wrap this yeah. up because... I love the most, right? So if we're talking about our framework, right? So our why was empowering voices to strengthen brands. Boom, the big idea. That fueled our product story, which Gemma was talking about. You know, we coined this phrase ingeniously simple. Like it's like everything to make sure that quality feedback can be given so anyone can get in and out. But yeah. our point of view was celebrating the power of diverse thinking. So when we were going to do content strategy, it was showing the results 
of collaboration, which was really, really, really inspiring. So I think that's 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 a nice kind of way of of of, of tying it all together. Jared, do you think Jared? Yeah, absolutely. And we focused a lot on brand collaboration as well, like which are key brands collaborating with other key brands and how that would kind of come together to create a really um, memorable piece of marketing material as well. It really, it hit home with our audience and and to just sort of summarize or sum up um, why you would do this is we noticed an absolute change in the quality of the leads coming through to our um, to our sales team and to, through our marketing site because they were the right people who needed to be spoken to and the right people to make aware of your product, which means sales have an easier job. Um, we're not wasting people's time following up leads, which are just fundamentally not going to go anywhere. So, And then the other thing it translates into is customers really feel you care about them and their they show their customer love in so many unique different ways. They will do um, case studies for you. They will um, leave reviews for you if you ask them to. And, you know, the other day um, G2 put out their latest G2 results. So G2 is like a software, um, software platform which helps you find other software um, to meet your needs of your business. So you could look for accounting software or, in our case, online proofing software. And um, we snapped up 33 badges in that full report, which is an insane amount considering the closest kind of direct competitor had something like 17 badges. So it really does translate into some tangible, um, you know, business um, results that are going to fuel your business when you do focus on your why. And it's really defendable. So mm -hmm. that's what you want at the end of the day. Yeah. So you don't want to be in that feature, feature matching competition, I can tell you. So. That defensibility is really important, right? It's about building a moat, right? And when everyone's, you know, when technology is democratized and, you know, people have been able to execute at pace, how do you how do you build a moat? Well, you're, you've built a moat with your brand equity, right? Um, I have a quick question for you. You mentioned earlier about uh, that collaboration is for everyone and that sometimes maybe a customer going, oh, I, I can't get um, approval from that person because they don't have a license. Yeah. But the way that you build your that brand strategy, did that impact pricing and plans? Yeah, so we were no limits right from the get-go because that was a fundamental um passion and driver for both seat, markets. Not a price per seat model. Oh, yeah. So not a price per seat. No. So yeah, no limits meant you could have as many people in your team because we really wanted to make, we didn't want to penalize people for growing a small marketing team to a big team or a small agency to a big agency. We didn't want to penalize them for their growth. Hmm. Um, however, Obviously, they would want to use maybe a slightly different feature set as they grow because there were some benefits about doing so. So that's how we transform them into a different plan. Um, and having no limits really on, on their users that they would have in a team, that actually did so well for us as a brand because it is that feeling of inclusivity. It, it is fueling collaboration. And as people kind of dive in and out of peak project times and using freelancers and things, um, it really fit, fit well with their needs. And that was really important. It's not about you. It's about your customers' needs. It is. Look, this has been ridiculously interesting. It's fantastic to actually have you, Gemma, here to be able to talk through how you did this. 
Yeah. Uh, yeah. And, and the impact and that and the story that you can bring around how you've actually um, brought that to life. I think that's um, incredibly valuable. Um, you both really highlight the need to speak to your customers. Get yes, them from you. Tell you what, I never do it. I I will own up and say in, in the marketing roles, I never did it enough, right? I did as much as I could, but I never did it enough. Um, yeah. And so here, tech marketers, um, we're actually going to follow up with this webinar. We'll, um, we'll come out shortly. So we're going to follow up with another webinar around how to engage your customers um, and how to get feedback um, uh, from your customers. So Helen's going to run um, a webinar. She's just putting it together uh, now. So we'll come out shortly. Um, and we're also running uh, our AI for Marketers series. Um, which will probably become a monthly program, um, if you like. So, uh, and that's going to be, I'm sure uh, Sophie will probably get uh, you guys involved from our Canaman Wellington as well. Um, but on behalf of everyone, of all of us um, and the Tech Marketers group, uh, Gemma, thank you for spending some time together. I know you don't do many of these uh, webinars uh, so we're really grateful for your time and uh, and Hamish, thank you so much for for taking the lead on this. It's a fantastic story. It's great to to ground it and um, you know in a customer story and in a you know real example that can bring these ideas to life for all of us. So I really appreciate that. You're can, I, can, I just, can I add something uh, for NZT customers that that are that are joining today? Uh, NZT have a fantastic brand program called Know It, Show It, Grow It, which was developed by Stuart Braxton, who is a uh, beach at NZT. So that, if you speak to your NZT representative, they have that program available, which will help you at the starting point, starting phase of, of, of growing your brand. And then it walks you through just about everything that Gemma's sort of talked about. So that's something to keep in mind. Oh, and if anyone does have questions for me, I'm happy to take them. You can email me at Gemma at pageproof.com. Awesome. Thank awesome. you to all of you who joined us uh, this morning. Uh, thank you for spending some time together. Really, really appreciate it. Um, we will make uh, this webinar available on demand uh, in the next few days. Thank you so much for joining us. We'll see you at the next TMG event. Cheers. Thanks all.